Uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Um, before I introduce myself, I would like to welcome on stage uh, Auntie Elaine Lomaz, who I have met through Auntie Kerry. I've also met numerously through social media, as it is in today's day and age. Um, and as it is in today's day and age, sometimes you have a, a biographical to read, sometimes you don't. So Auntie Elaine has graciously offered to come up stage and to not put me on the spot with an informal introduction and she would prefer to introduce herself. Mm. So I would like you to firstly uh, welcome Auntie Elaine Lomaz, a dearly beloved uh, family member of Auntie Kerry Reed Gilbert. So please uh, join me in welcoming Auntie Elaine for the Welcome to Country. Mandangu, mandangu. Um, I do an acknowledgement uh, to country today. Go, don't tell me I lost it now. Phew. Gwaimbana. Noya Gwaimelang. Marambang Bilang. Main. This is a bit hard for me, by the way. Main. Miagangalang. Mujigalang, Maranindigenina, Yinjamara Marambang Bilang Nyamu, Gunindarang, Bamali, Warangali, Warangali, Bu and Muji, Galang, Kerry Reed Gilbert Niang, the cherry picker's daughter, Ninji Galila. Balotu Ilain Lomas, Dirma Delinya, while I'm proud and strong, Wiradjuri women. Nurambang Griffithi, Nurambang Nurambang Canberra, Dirma Delinya, Walan. Nyadi Wenangana, Yinjanamal Nijo, Nunawo Mujigam, Nujigambu, Main Balanda Dalambu. Wirumbira, Wirumbira, Marambu, Mandangu. So what I said was, welcome beautiful people, many family and friends. It's good that you are here as we honour and pay respects and remember our wonderful mother, grandmother, auntie, cousin and friend, Kerry Reed Gilbert, and her book, The Cherry Picker's Daughter, on this day. I am Elaine Lomas. I am a proud and strong Galari Waradjuri Yinna from Griffith, New South Wales, living on Nunawal country in Canberra, and a very, very strong and proud cousin. I remember and pay respects and honour to the Nunawal elders and people long ago and now and preserve and keep them always. Mandangu, Yinjamara. Thank you, with respect and honour. Thank you. Thank you, Aunty Elaine. Uh, no secret that I'm short-sighted but I've actually got 20-20 vision for reading, so I will be 
traversing between wanting to look at you and then wanting to st stick to my script. So firstly, let's go. Um, as a Yemen, Wakaman, Imbidjara woman from Queensland, the Yemen heralding from the Lower Dawson River of the Tarum in southwest Queensland up to Warabinda. That is where the Henry side of my mother's father heralds from. The Wakaman nation from the Chiligo region of the far north Queensland from my maternal grandmother. And the Holtz from the Bidjara nation some 600 kilometres northwest of Rockhampton. I, Yvette Henry Holt, too pay my humblest respects and acknowledgement and a deeply profound underlying respect to Ani Elaine, the Ngunnawal people of Canberra and to all extending First Nations people of Australia who are with us here today, gathering for this fine national tribute in honour of the original Cherry Picker's daughter, Auntie Kerry. Indeed, it is an honour for me to stand before you all here today and to have been asked by Wild Dingo Press and Deadly Dingo Books as we meet on Aboriginal lands in our Commonwealth's national, national capital, where our collective sovereignty as Aboriginal people has never been ceded. I would also like to acknowledge Annie Kerry's family with us here today, in particular her daughters, Lisa and Melanie, their children and their grandchildren, elders present and reflective respect for the footprints of those who have passed. I'd like to acknowledge Marissa McDowell, family and friends for Nornies, members of our First Nation Australian Writers Network, us mob writing members from the Canberra Writers Centre, to acknowledge the National Library of Australia for hosting this event, and of course to Wild Dingo Press and Deadly Dingo Books for being so considerately instrumental in organising this national tribute. French Cuban American diarist, essayist, novelist, critical literary activist, and writer of short stories and poetry, Anais Nince once wrote, we write to taste life twice, once in the moment and in retrospect. Life shrinks or expands in portion to one's courage. In my review of Aunt's legacy, this is courage. It is the essential foundation, core. It is the relinquishing narrative, the undercurrent of expelling memories from a history monochromed in joy, hardship, institutional racism, family unity, labor, survival, loss, and above all, unconditional love. Courage it is what runs through the veins of the cherry picker's daughter. Kerry Reed Gilbert, a Wiradjuri woman, heralding from the central New South Wales, and over the last four decades or more, aunt called Canberra her home. 
Auntie Kerry held an astonishing career with Aboriginal literature, a performer, national facilitator of workshops throughout Australia, internationally, writer, editor, poet, award recipient, anthologized, translated, and a contributor to multiple collective publications, including the Macquarie Pen Anthology of Australian Literature. A former advisor of the Aboriginal Studies Press Advisory Committee, an international collaborator with First Nations Māori writers and journals, a proud co-editor of a collection of works titled By Close of Business Day, Business, by the ACT Us Mob Writing, co-founder, first chairperson, and lifelong patron of the First Nations of Australian Writers Network, Fanorn. We will discuss Aunty Kerry's work throughout the next 40 minutes, but I feel it would be very disrespectful if I weren't to introduce on my behalf on how I first met Aunt. So here I begin. I first read of Aunt's poetry before I knew her. In 2002, I was brunching over a lazy summer Sunday with my cousin Jackie in her North Brisbane home, snooping as I do over her bookcase, leaning inwardly across the spines of her poetry collection. I plucked from the shelf a very slim volume of poetry, attractive to me in name and title, Black Woman, Black Life. Whilst thumbing through the pages, I was speechless. Drawn to the carriage of her rhythmic lyricism, descriptive of what lies beneath and above the reality of modern day Aboriginal women's lives. Holding hostage between the numbered pages through her poetic discourse and the unfathomable realities of being born woman of colour, being born woman and being indigenous from yesteryears through the refractive lens, passing from one generation to the next, whether on subject matters of overthrowing racially based sexism social exclusion, the inclusivity of tittership, or permeating the emotions across the terrains of a loving relationship. This author, who I was yet to meet, ticked all the boxes I had so desperately wanted to read about in my adulthood infancy of daring to become a poet. I then hurrayed at my cousin, demanding to know who is this lady who is she? Jack just turned to me and said, that's a very dear friend of mine, Kerry Reed Gilbert. I said, do you know her? That was my first initial response. I mean, do you actually know her for real? Jack chuckled and said, yes, I just told you, cuz. She is a very dear close friend. She is one of my titters. Before OMG became fashionably acronymized to the gleeful three-letter cult status it holds today, my jaw dropped and my mouth was agape. Jackie then asked me if I would like to meet her. 
meet her. I had never met an actual published poet before. I had read poetry before, of course, but most of the poetry I had read were from old Anglo-Saxon males wearing lacklustre cravettes, inhaling ungodly lengthened Nicaraguan sweatshop cigars and unleashing the waistcoat watches drowning in sepia-saturated portraits of an era that was not even remotely in my field of poetic dreams. Thereby, the reflection in my imaginings after the consuming of aunt's words never reflected the mirror of my reality against hers. This woman knew more than just something of being black and sovereign. This author had me detained in a full-length mirror since the beginnings of my ramblings of scrambled notes upon anonymous premonition. In the following months, I had held bragging rights with my then senior lecturer, who is here today, and I acknowledge Dr. Sonia Link-Pierce, who I would like to thank. She is here with her husband, Tony, and her sister and niece. Through Jackie's wishful thinking and Sonia's endearing tittership with Aunt Kerry as well, and they go way back, I had finally been able to meet with Annie Kerry at my alma mater UTS, Haymarket 2003. Aunt was invited by Sonia as a guest lecturer on the presentation of Australian Aboriginal writings. Jack Davis, Jimmy Chee, Udru Nunaka were also present in memory of our collective narrative and her poetry. We were introduced to each other in that innate way that Aboriginal people are and the way that we have met for millennia in the knowing who we are related to. In the sense of belonging with our nations and in placing each other as black women, as black fellas within our Aboriginal universe. And from the moment we met, I was in awe of her generosity, her patience, her courage, her humour, and her love of language and memory. To a standing ovation, fellow students asked her if they could purchase, purchase a signed copy of Black Woman, Black Life. To my astonishment, Aunt told them that there aren't too many copies on the shelves left for purchase anymore, and that she had only bought one of the few, few remaining that she held on to. Students then lined up for the purchase, and it was a scrum to end all scrums. Aunt held the collection of poetry high above her raven crown of hair. And she stated that the only copy she brought with her today was for this deadly young lady, Yvette Holt. And I acknowledge that many, many of you here today have known Kerry Reed Gilbert most of her adult life, if not some of her life, and that my personal relationship with Aunt in the Gregorian calendar of time stacks up quite minimally to 
the length of years she has shared with many of you. However, I am inclined to believe that is it not the fabric of a beautiful woman who endowed upon us her loyalty, her friendship, her tittership, her truth-telling, and above all, that brings us here today. Today of all days to pay tribute to this remarkable woman who has written this remarkable childhood memoir titled The Cherry Picker's Daughter. From the opening pages, Aunt has drawn a line in the sand. There is no denying, no swerving, no yielding to the presence of her dearly beloved family, more emphatically her mummy, Joyce Hutchings, her father, Kevin's older sister. Joyce raised both Kerry and her brother, Kevin, as I am sure you are all just chewing away at the formidable chapters that await you, and I do not wish to give too much away. That is why we have bookstores. But what I would like to do is to extract from two people who are also here in the audience today, and they know a little bit about a lot about Aboriginal writing, literature, critical review, and that is Dr. Janine Lane and Melissa Lukashenko, the Miles Franklin winner for 2019. Melissa. When Auntie Kerry asked me to help her with her memoir, I said I would be happy to, not only because I expected it to be, to be a terrific yarn, but also because of who she was. You couldn't turn around in Canberra in the years I was there, and no doubt for many years prior without running into Auntie Kerry, doing a reading or leading a protest or helping someone in the community in some quiet or occasionally loud way. I'd known her as a senior member of the Canberra Aboriginal community and as a poet and writer and activist in the South. I guess because Annie Kerry lived in Canberra, it had never really struck me to think very hard about just how she had grown up. It was fascinating to eventually realise just how Auntie Kerry's 60-something years on the earth embodied so many of the great issues of Aboriginal life in the 20th century. From running from the welfare to the sometimes virulent racism of small country towns, to the devotion of the large family who surrounded and mostly protected her. Her life was a testament to all that Koori people faced and all too often continue to face. When Auntie Kerry asked me to help her with her memoir, I said I would be happy to not only because I expected it to be a terrific yarn, but also because of who she was. You couldn't turn around in Canberra in the years I was there, and no doubt for many, many years prior. I think I read that. I think, I think at the NLA, they did an outstanding service and they, they printed it twice. <laughs> but wait, there's more. 
One thing I remember most clearly was Auntie Kerry saying with great satisfaction that when people read her memoir, they would be forced to shut up about her and to me as a friend, as a comrade, and as someone who has great loyalty to the memory of Auntie Kerry, that means a lot to me. And when somebody writes the biography or when it's written posthumously, autobiographically, it means something to a large percentage of that family. And what Aunt has written should never diminish her truth-telling and her memory. And I can tell you right here and right now, there are many amongst us who will fight to the end to push her memory through in loyalty, in respect, and in truth-telling to Aunty Kerry Reed Gilbert. Now, I know that Samantha Faulkner, my deadly titter, is just jumping up. Um, but I'd all, I would also like to close before I put Samantha on stage. A reading of the review, and you all must read the, the Sydney Review, the Australian book review from Dr Janine Lane. A couple of, a couple of paragraphs. I kid you not. The Cherry Picker's Daughter is the book that all Australians need to read for its testimony to courage, determination and resilience and for what it says about activism that takes place a long way from public venues and media. As the statement at the front makes clear, this book is dedicated to Mummy. The life of Joyce Hutchings should signal a reassessment of the Aboriginal activism that has been viewed to date. And I said in my earlier statement, it was all about mummy. We see mummy bending her back and working her fingers to the bone to keep eight kids together while her husband, daddy, Ned Hutchings, toils many miles away as a, as a railway fettler, bringing money home whenever he can. Mummy's life is an affirmation of the quiet activism of women who raise children alone and who keep families together in defiance of a system intent on ripping them apart. These Aboriginal families stealing children. As well as working long hours to keep the children fed, clothed, sheltered and out of view of welfare, Mummy wrote regularly to the Queen to plead for the release of her younger brother. Likewise, in keeping with Aboriginal ways of knowing and being in the world, different life forms and presences are afforded equal respect as human beings. There is no questioning of their existence and their ability to move among within the human realm. Bunyips, spirits and animals are all given equal respect during a stint when the family lives in a tent by the town cemetery because the island is flooded, Mummy tells her. You don't have to be scared of the dead ones, Dort. 
only the live ones. Kerry knows that no spirit can take me away, only the welfare. In closing, Janine says, this is a brave book on many fronts for the way Auntie Kerry calls out violence and exploitation of women and children from within the community, as well as that which comes from the outside. And let's not pretend and let's not just marshmallow over the facts. Perpetrated by the settler nation, on more than one occasion, we see Kerry and her sister Linny as children bullied and abused from within the family because they are wards of the state. The threat of informing welfare is enough to silence them, even against the most heinous of injustices. In closing, before I introduce Samantha up to the stage for Auntie Kerry Reed Gilbert, as I did last August for Because of Her We Can, this poem is dedicated to Lisa Blair. If you don't know Lisa Blair, I suggest you run out and read her. And also to the deadly Nunga poet, Fabian Bayet. And it's called Through My Eyes, Anonymous Premonition, University of Queensland Press for Aini Kerry. When I look at Aboriginal women, I see Murray, Kuri, Nunga, Nunga, Yonglu and Palawa. I see more than 40,000 years of strength, courage and determination in animation. I look at Aboriginal women and I rejoice relate, receive. Someday the spirit of our ancestors will carry each one of us on a far, far away journey, elevating above red earth with regal black skin, circling the sun, renewer of life. Look beyond our reflection and you'll see our grandmother and her mother's mother. Those lines on her face are an atlas to our past. This woman stands with amazing grace. Being born woman is learning about the struggle. Being born black and woman is knowing how to survive. I celebrate knowing the struggle for I too am woman with heritage, spirit and pride. Indigenous women have carried the weight of oppression on the strength of their hips, breathing life into our culture and nurturing our grandmother's mother's mother. When I look at Aboriginal women today, I see history, past, present and future. Thank you. Samantha, would you like to take a deadly seat to my far left? Oh, well, I was going to introduce you, Sam. Okay, glasses off, here we go, drink some water. My deadly sister, Samantha Faulkner, who I have known for a number of years, she is one of my brains trust on the 
Executive Committee of the First Nations of Australia Writers Network. If you're not a member, if you're a white fella, close your, put your hands over your ears. <laughs> you know what to do. Hit us up on the webpage. We're now live. Okay, Sam. Sam is a Torres Strait Islander and Aboriginal woman from the Watathi Yagara peoples, Cape York Peninsula and Badu Mawa Islands, Torres Strait. She is the author of Life Belong, Ali Drummond, A Life in the Torres Strait, published in 2007 by Aboriginal Studies Press. As a member of Us Mob Writing Group, she has performed at a number of festivals, including the noted 2015-17 IATSIS Conference 2014-216. She has been published locally by Close of Business, yes, a pocket full of leadership in the ACT, nationally etchings Indigenous Treaty Uluru Press, and internationally Uranua, a collection of Māori and Aboriginal Literature 216 Narrative Witness. I love that title. International Writing Program, University of Iowa. Mm, go to the cornfields. She has represented women in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander interests on local, state and national boards. She is currently chairperson of the Us Mob Writing ACT Torres Strait Islander Corporation and a member of the First Nations of Australian Writers Network for Norn. Please make welcome Samantha Faulkner. Before we do, yeah. <laughs> Lisa and Melanie have just reminded me of the video. You, can you not tell that I've just come off a flight from Alice Springs? I mean, <laughs> seriously, who, who wears these ivory-coloured... But, you know, I had a very good breakfast. Here we go. Here we go. Now this is, uh, and I would like to thank Marissa McDowell who put this together on behalf of Aini Kerry Reed Gilbert's family. Uh, this is Aunt, I believe it may have been between April to May, June when she recorded this. Um, so I shall play it and I will say no more and let Aunt do the speaking. Yeah, no, it's not lost. I would like to thank everybody for coming here today to this author's event of The Cherry Picker's Daughter. I would like to thank my special co-presenter that's standing in front of you today um, representing me and who we are as Aboriginal people at this wonderful event. I would like to thank all the First Nations Australia writers, our poets and storytellers who've been on this journey with me since the very beginning. My special thanks to Anita Ice, who was on the very, my very, very, very first writing journey in 1993, uh, if not before that, in Sydney. I would like to thank Melissa. I would like to thank Jared. Um, Kathy, um, Jimmy, there's just too many of you to, to name, but I thank you all from the bottom of my heart for sharing this journey. 
I'd like to thank my daughters Lisa and Melanie and my grandkids. I would like to thank my niece Marissa for, for being able to pull this video together so that I can share this event with you all. I'm sure you all know by now that I'm pretty crook. My father didn't just give me his looks, he actually gave me his lumps. Um, so they're a bit crook, so that's the reason why I can't be with you today. I would like to think, thank Wild Dingo Prince for, for, yeah, for sharing the journey and publishing The Cherry Pick's Daughter because I think it's so, so important for that to happen. People often think that when I say The Cherry Pick's Daughter, I'm actually speaking about my father, Kevin Gilbert, but I'm not. I'm actually speaking about my mother, Jacqueline Joyce Hutchings, who's actually Kevin's sister, who I call Mummy. Mummy reared me and my brother Kevin up. I was actually three months old when my father went to jail for the murder of my mother. And so I became Mummy's baby. And here I am, 63-year-old woman, and I'm still Mummy's baby. And I am still Cherry Pick's daughter. Even though I'm, Mummy's not here to share this journey with me today, um, she, she's standing beside me. Um, in spirit and love. So I hope that you take this chance and this opportunity to read the Chippewa story. I hope you gain an understanding of what it was like for Aboriginal people in the 1950s and 60s as we lived our life in humpies, in tents and in fruit paddocks. I hope that you gain that understanding that those lifestyles we take with us to the day that we die and that we as Aboriginal people, we have never given up our sovereignty and who we are as people have always remained that. And that's why those journeys of tent, humpies, um, cherry picking, all those years in the paddocks um, should always be taken and learnt and it should also be learnt so that they're never repeated that one day Aboriginal people do gain human and equal rights in this country and I hope that that day will happen in the lifetime of my great-grandchildren and I hope that the cherry picker's daughter helps make that happen as we aim for a treaty as sovereign people. I have a couple of things that I'd like to read for you today and then I might say a little bit more a little bit later. Thank you. Chapter 4, When the River Floods. The river's flowing. We all love living on the island. Sometimes when we get flooded, we've got to make a rock bridge so we can go to town or school. When the water starts to rise, we need to carry rocks. The more it rises, the more we carry. It takes a long time to build a bridge, even when all of us are doing it. Paddy, Linny and Mummy carry the bigger ones. Stacking the rocks on top of each other, our bridge starts to take shape. Me and Kevin's job is to fill up the, the gaps with the smaller rocks. We race to see who can fill the holes at the best. Making the bridge, searching for big and little rocks, is such fun. Hearing a groan, we, we look over and see Mummy struggling to lift a great big rock. 
Her legs are buckling and the boys want to help. They each grab a part of that rock and help hold it in her arms. Taking dolly steps as they walk together, soon it is in place. Every now and again, we all try to carry the big rocks so that we can help more. But mummy tells us not to, as we could hurt ourselves. It's taken several days, but finally the bridge is all done. And mummy walks across a few times to make sure that it's safe. Standing on different stones, legs are firmly placed, rocking side to side. She makes sure that no rock is loose, so no, none of us can slip off as we walk. Soon the river's rising fast and the water is flowing between the rocks. We wait now for the flood water to hit us. It doesn't take long before we put our beach to the test. So far, we can walk across with our shoes on. The bridge is still higher than the water. Mummy reckons in a couple of days we're going to have to build it up more. And we do. One day Paddy runs down to the gutters before us and then he runs back saying the river has risen. The water's starting to come over the bridge and we have to take our shoes and socks off so they don't get wet. Mummy walks the bridge testing as she goes. Then he carries my shoes just in case I slip and lose them. If I did, I'd never see them again. I actually started this journey in 2006 over, over in America from a fellowship from the Australia Council. Um, so I, um, and it has taken me 2019 to get to where it is today. I thank everybody on that journey. I also thank the Australia Council for supporting um, me through the, the journeys of the Cherry Pickers Daughters. And I thank you all all my friends, all my family, all the you readers, all you, all you sitting here, I thank you all for being here. It was very, very hard. I cried a million tears with every page that was written um, because we had that, you know, we had all that emotional turmoil in there. Um, you know, it's not easy to, to look on the tragedies and the deaths of your family. Um, every day as you write it between the pages. But in amongst that was all the goodness, the happiness. Um, and as a family, there was happy times. You know, my love for mummy and my brothers and sisters have always been strong. My love for my family, um, for, you know, for all of us as an extended family has brought us, has brought me to who I am here today. Um, so yes, it was a hard journey. Um, I've got to say, I've got to, always got to say and acknowledge Nita for who she is as my sister, as my tita, as my best friend, as a fellow writer. Um, her strength and her unity made me drag my work out of the drawer. So it's only fitting that she actually was the one who actually launched my book. Um, my family, I think you could say, is like any other Aboriginal family in that, uh, in that time. Other Aboriginal families have had tragedies that may not have been to the extent of my family, but, you know, we all lived under the, the routine or the um, regiment of the welfare, the fear of the welfare, the fear of authorities, you know, the, the idea, the concept of being black and knowing that you can be taken away any time. 
And for us as state ward children, that made it worse. Um, so that fear was 10 times more harder for us. But, in again, amongst all that, we had mummy. And we knew mummy would never, ever let anybody take us away. So this book is about mummy. It's about to honour her. It's about to acknowledge this amazing woman who I call mother. And I will to the day I die. Thank you all. <clears throat>
but I love the lollies the best. Mummy puts lollies out so us kids can have some whenever we want, even before dinner. There's peanuts and chips and licorice all sorts and bullets and cobbers, all our favourites, spread out on the table waiting for us to eat, eat and enjoy. We're so lucky. Mummy said we're not to make ourselves sick from eating too many and we had to save room for Christmas dinner. But she doesn't know that the boys take lots and put them in their pockets because they're pigs. <laughs> Mummy and the girls bring out all the food. There's everything, a baked leg, a chook, baked potatoes and pumpkin and lots more. Everybody's around the table. We're a big family. We all pile around making sure we can all fit in. But we didn't have to worry. The table's big enough to hold us all. So I think there's probably something for everyone in there. Mm. Well, when it comes to candy, when it comes to roasts, blackfellas being how we are, <laughs> I think you've hit the nail on the head. And I'm about to hit the nail on, on, on another head. Um, we, we might have a couple of moments for Q&A. Um, forbidding any hostility, we'll take it as a statement. But I would also like to say that while Dingo Press, um, and I would like to acknowledge Kathy Lewis, the sole founder, the CEO and publisher, of Waldingo Press, uh, along with what has been imprinted into the newest addition to that stable Deadly Dingo books with Janara Garangarang, and to acknowledge Alex, Chair Sully, and Jessica Gertz uh, for actually pulling this together. It wasn't uh, the easiest of um, gatherings to pull together. Now, are there any, is there anyone in the audience who has not read the book? Put your hands up. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> well, I invite you all to, um, yeah, <laughs> you know, get, whip out those uh, credit cards or cash. <laughs> I'm omitted from using a few adjectives, so um, please, uh, this is a part of Australian history. Um, it's been a various laborious labour of love for, for Aunt, and I can remember in 2006 her and I were exchanging emails. I think she was in Georgia on that Australian Council Scholarship, if memory serves, and I was in Brisbane, um, and she mentioned seeing some form of a very dark eagle as she was writing to me, and she believed it to be a very good sign that she was flowing, so it has been there she has had many supporters behind her as she has noted mm. also behind me in the video um so any any 